skin and bug eyes and antennae. I've got three heads, yellow fur and a claw. I look a bit like Liza Minnelli. Can you work out who we are? The Consultants! Yes! Warning, the Consultants may cause dizziness, shortness of breath, facial swelling, Warren Beatty, back pain, rubella, distemper and blots. If the Consultants persist for more than three days, please see your doctor. Gentlemen, I'm sad I can't make it. Not, Not a, a problem. problem. Without wishing to get off with the wrong end of the stick, I'm in trouble. I seasonally adjusted my trousers in a shopping mall and I'm currently in police custody. Aruga. With good behaviour. <laughs> I should be out in four years. Goodbye. Good Goodbye, Chesney. Chesney. We need to have an emergency crisis meeting immediately. Yes, and with Chesney away, I'll take the chair. Right, I'll squat in the corner as usual. <laughs> First item on the agenda. Apologies. Why? I've been sleeping with your wife. <laughs> And I swapped your laptop for a tin of all-day breakfast. <laughs> Second item, finances. How much have we got in petty cash? Not much. Can you be more specific? Not really. Ballpark figure? Couldn't say. Trailer park figure? About $20. <laughs> right, let's go to the pub. Yes, let's. Meeting adjourned. I know a great nightclub. <laughs> I'm MC Lancelot, not a little. Not a lot! That's right, and I'll be in charge this evening, taking you all the way through to the early hours here at Friday nights, live at the round table. Now, <clears throat> before I bring on the first act, I have been asked to say that if there's anyone with a brown horse in the courtyard, that's a brown horse with a fair mane and a dappled right shank, could they please move it as it's blocking the stocks? <laughs> now, let's crack on with the first act this evening. He's a newcomer to Friday nights here. I'll sure you like him. Give it up for the comedy stylings of Gawain. Cheers. Right, uh, good to be here. Oh, uh, all right, all right, mate. What's your name? Sir Galahad. Galahad, eh? Well, I'm uh, I'm Galahad. Glad that you could make it. I understand thee not. Yeah, I'm just having a laugh. So, uh, what, what what do you do for a living, Galahad? I am a knight. Oh, and what do you do during the day? Hey, hey. hey? <laughs> Seek the Holy Grail. Right, the Holy Grail. Well, I expect you meet a lot of um, damsels in distress, uh, though personally, I'd like to see a damsel uh, without a dress on, eh? Eh? Thou art unchivalrous. Thou art rubbish! <laughs> Do not relinquish thy day job! Um, okay, um. How, <laughs> how do you con confuse a knight? Uh, you put him on a table and tell him to sit around the corner? No, that's not it. No, um. You, you, put, him on a, you, you, put, him on a, you put him on a round table and you tell him to sit at the corner? Is that, you put him My on a mother is a lady of easy virtue! <laughs> Gawain there, on the open mic spot. Oh, you can be a tough crowd, you really can. It's like getting sword from a stone with you lot. <laughs> now, I've got a couple of quick announcements. Next week is karaoke, so get practising your madrigals. Secondly, last week we had some jousting in the car park after closing time. I do not want a repeat of that, or nights will be barred. Now, are you ready for the headline act this evening? Tim, so here he is, it's your very own, the marvellous, the magical Merlin. Well, hey-ho, and away we go. Magical Merlin here. What have I said? What have I said, eh? Oh, I wouldn't mind a night in with a night like you. You know what? Come here, right? I got knighted the other week. Well, 
I say knighted, I was on my knees in front of the Duke of Cumberland. <laughs> At the queer grasses, we sit mournful remembering how once this small cafeteria hummed with great cheer. The tables was thronged with the overall, the paint stained, the chink of chipped teacups rang through the dank air. But the owner, he had other plans to go up market, washed his hands of all his faithful clientele who for so long had filled his coffers. He yearned to be more haute cuisine, a fixture on the gastro scene. So he threw out all the ashtrays and the tabloids and the squeezy ketchup bottles. The sandwiches became paninis. No longer do we have baked beanies. We have instead Arico in their own tomato jus. <laughs> Toast and jam is now a grilled ciabatta with a fruit compote. The all-day fry-up history, you can't get Bovril in a bistro either. So at the queer grasses, we shed tears in our lattes as we munch on our rocket and choke on our sushi. I don't want a pancetta baguette, I want a plain bacon butty. I like my cheese to be hard and my peas to be mushy. <laughs> but the tides, they might be turning as this place is not now earning quite enough to pay for waiters and for winelists and wasabi. Apparently the latest trend is slumming it And to that end we're going to have a refit And become a trendy retro greasy spoon How charming! <laughs> so at last we have gone back to Branston Basics And the place is now designer drab The cutlery's been stained to feign neglect The walls have all been sanded down And rag rolled a nice nicotine brown <laughs> The tables with chipped ashtrays off chewed chips and crusted mustard pots bedecked So at the queer grasses, we sit cheerful rejoicing. We swill our sweet tea and we plough through pork pies. It's just as it was, it's all chip fat and chuckles. Except that, of course, it's now ten times the price. <laughs> the Diary of Samuel Pepys, May 14th, 1664. Up betimes after an ill night of flatus and spent the day groaning upon the couch, distracted myself with etchings of Nubian maidens. The merriment of last night, wherein I partook of some four bottles of sack with His Excellence the Earl of Canonbury, left me with considerable disquiet of the head and much bilious trembling. I rather fear this due to the barrel of oysters we consumed. Latterly, the scene to the Haymarket to see Congreve's latest, the hat maker of Venice, or the queer milliner. <laughs> A doltish piece of work, but the main part played well by the young master Betterton. I amused myself with the hurling of chicken bones. Thence to Fumbrels for chocolate and asparagus. Saucy discourse with my lady Scuntupper, who rode with me in the carriage, placing her hand upon my knee, and thenceforth my will was sated by St. James's Park. <laughs> Home hurriedly, to snuff a tincture of vinegar and licorice to allay the suspicions of my wife, who has been laid up these past four days with a septic foot. A rich nightcap of berf a la mode, soon repeated onto my breeches. <laughs> and so to bed. Charles, how delightful to see you. I'm so glad you could come. Robert. I must introduce you to my wife. That would be lovely. 
She has a number of striking features that are very attractive to a first-time visitor. She is conveniently situated in the room next door and benefits from an ornamental balcony to the rear. That sounds very interesting. Well, perhaps you'd like to have a look round my wife. I've got the keys on me now. Well, why not? Now, as you can see, my wife has been lovingly maintained to a very high standard. Yes, yeah. These legs here, they're the original ones. I see. And as we move towards the torso, you can see just how bright and well-proportioned this upper part of my wife is. Yeah, they're very nice. I, I like what you've done with the ribs there. Yeah, exactly. They were like that when I arrived. And why are you looking to move on? Well, I do like it here, but I fancy to change. I'm moving to a, a smaller wife. The upkeep here is quite a lot, and the new place is a lot uh, uh, younger. I see. And it's, it's much quicker into town from her as well. Now, moving into the head. If you'd care to step up into the brain here, obviously a lot of the opinions and ideas in here belong to the current occupant, but you can easily change that to your own taste. You know, it's cosmetic, really. And hang on, Tom, what are you doing in here? Oh, gosh, Robert, I, um, left my shoes here, so... What, your shoes? <laughs> What's going on here? Oh, this is all rather difficult. I, I didn't want you to find out like this. Tom, have you been squatting in my wife? <laughs> no, no, she asked me over during the summer, and, well, I've been popping in quite a lot recently. Popping in? Well, I've just been using her at weekends. It's not like I'm here all the time. Tom, are you paying rent? <laughs> It's, it's not like that. I, I love her, Robert, and she loves me. I want to buy the freehold. Well, if it's what you both want, I won't stand in your way. Here are the keys. I'm sorry, Charles, you've been gazumped. <laughs> Thank you. This place means so much to me. And if it doesn't work out, I can always convert her into flats or knock her down and claim the insurance. Now get out of my way! <laughs> The diary of Samuel Pepys, May 14th, 2004. <laughs> Up betimes after a considerable night of disquiet and spent much of the morning guddled upon the sofa, surveying GMTV with the delectable Lorraine Kelly, who would fain feel the sting of my meat piece, would she but let me. <laughs> much merriment last night, having partaken in a dozen strong European lagers with my boon companion, Risky Dave. <laughs> This morning, much upset in my cranium and a vile churning of the stomach. I must have had a bad pint. <laughs> Latterly to the multiplex, this in to see Daddy Daycare. Adultish piece of work wherein an unemployed man opens his own daycare centre. Much puffery and nonsense, though the main part played agreeably by the more Edward Murphy. I amuse myself with the hurling of popcorn. Thence to the Hippodrome for tequilas and a wet t-shirt contest. Saucy discourse with young Kelly Marie, who travelled with me as far as the park swings, on the which we enjoyed Congress. <laughs> Home then to splash on Old Spice, lest the wife suspect. A late-night repast of kebab with extra chilli sauce, mate, balanced my humours, but ended up on my trainers scarce an hour later. <laughs> and so to bed. And now it's time to turn on, tune in and drop off as we listen to another lump of audio from the Consultants Radio Archive. 
This week, it's an episode of their curiously unrehearsed boarding school romp, The Boys of St. Batteries. It's Michaelmas term, and the headmaster has an important announcement. Silence. Some, some, children. Before we begin assembly, I have a birthday to announce. Happy birthday, Wilson. Enough. As is tradition at St. Batteries, the birthday boy gets to choose a special cake for the whole school to enjoy. Wilson has chosen a lemon sponge cake baked into the shape of a Norton motorbike with candles for handlebars and a marzipan carburetor. As I lift the salver, let us all sing happy birthday. Oh, my acapelvis, it's gone. It appears that we have a thief in our midst. Any boy discovered with crumbs in his bed will be severely punished. Especially as crumbs has been expelled. <laughs> to calm our nerves, let us hope that Mr. Forbes' butter has rinsed his stops, that we may sing hymn 182, The Reflex. <laughs> Birthday, Wilson. Thanks, Rice. Thanks, Pilts. What a rotten shape we didn't get to eat my lemon motorbike. I'll say, Wilson, if I knew who pinched it, I'd slap him right upside the head. Did you get any spiffy presents? Gosh, yes. Auntie Clister gave me a whistle, Uncle Bungus got me a spinning top, and Mummy and Daddy gave me Norfolk. <laughs> well, Pilts and I have got a present for you. We've organised the midnight feast in the dorm tonight. Oh, clackers, it's Beef Crammer, the fat school bully. What, what, what do you want, Crammer? I'm hungry and I need to wet my beak. Give me your tuck. We haven't got any. Hoo-hoo, surely you've got something to eat, just enough to wet my beak. What about you, Rice? Your pocket's always stuffed with fudge. But it's mine, Crammer. Hand it over or I'll give you a Welsh handshake. <laughs> Best do as he says, Rice. Porticus Minor is still half blind from one of Crammer's Welsh handshakes. <laughs> oh, delicious. I'm quite full up now. As for breakfast, I had a rather delicious lemon motorbike cake. Who, who, who? That baggy shank, he ate my motorbike. <laughs> shall, we, shall we tell the headmaster? I should say not, Rice. Snitching's worse than genocide. Fear not, chaps. I've got an idea. We're going to bake him a cake. But he's already had one. No, Rice. We're going to bake him a cake to remember. Here he comes, fellows. Get the cake ready. You squirts, you'd better have some midnight tuck for me. Oh, yes. We've got a special chocolate cake. Oh! <laughs> it looks delicious. Give it here. He's eating the whole thing. Oh, these aren't cherries. No, they're mothballs wrapped in liver. <laughs> yes, and we used tobacco instead of flour, toilet duck for cream, and stirred it all up using a kipper for a spoon. <laughs> I wet my beak on Duff Tuck. It's Welsh handshakes all round. Oh. Hold up. I'm all gassy. Roger de Corsi. Look at that. He's ballooning. <laughs> Taking off. Help. Grab him by the tie, Rice. Ow. No, I said his tie, Rice. Whoopsie. 
I, I can't hold him. Lend a hand, you chaps. Whoa! Look, look, its buttons have come off. Oh, no. It would appear that the minimal traces of phosphate in the beef dripping have reacted with the acid in the olives, producing helium as a byproduct. <laughs> Get me down! Some, some, children. Headmaster! What on earth is going on in this dormitory? What is that? It's, um, it's a novelty balloon, Headmaster. A balloon? Yes, for Wilson's birthday. Let me quote the school rules to you. <clears throat> Page 80, paragraph 4. Boys are allowed no more than ten items of bondage. Sorry, paragraph 5. <laughs> Boys are forbidden to possess any party materials, including hooters, makeup, and balloons. Therefore, I have no hesitation in destroying your fun with the sharp end of my cane. Ugh, I'm covered in him. Could you kindly explain to me what this mess is? We were playing a jape on Beef Crammer, sir, but you punctured him and he exploded. But look! Look, Headmaster, over there on the dormitory wall! It's the partially digested remnants of my lemon motorbike. Well done, boys. You are to be commended for apprehending a thief. However, I shall have to take a rather dim view of the fact that you have inflated a fellow pupil. <laughs> this is now the third time in my career that I have burst a child. <laughs> I rather... I rather think my cane may have to wet its beaks on your behinds. <laughs> some, some, children. And, and a dumb, dumb, dumb headmaster. Ah! Ooh! Eek! Ow! Good afternoon. I am Professor Richard Snell, and I am here to talk to you about... Innumeracy. <laughs> Point number four. <laughs> what causes innumeracy? Well, that's the $74 question. It can occur for any number of reasons. Perhaps as many as two. Or less. Point number four. Innumeracy can affect anyone from the age of umpteen all the way to plenty, occurring in almost velveteen percent of the UK population, rising to Springsteen percent globally. That means that between Tonto and Macmillan people have no idea what I'm talking about. Finally then, my first point. Point number four. Innumeracy can lead to feelings of exclusion, disenfranchisement, and a sense that one doesn't really count. For this sole purposes, I've set up a helpline for innumeracy sufferers and would like to close by giving you the number. Oeggy Undead 1, 1990 0050 Dipty 6. The diary of Samuel Pepys, May the 14th, 2404. Up betimes after a night of considerable disquiet and spent much of the first day quadrant upon the hover couch, surveying the Galaxy Cam broadcast from the Jupiter Fantasy Channel. Much merriment last night, having partaken of three endorphin food pills with my robot Quaxus. This morning, a slight ache in my nanoids. Must have had an awkward decompression. Latterly to the Cosmodrome to see a meteor shower. Adultish piece of work, though I was greatly pleasured at the destruction of Cardiff. <laughs> I amused myself with the hurling of plasma bolts. Thence to a virtual bar for moon beer and brain link with a selection of feminoid holograms. Saucy graphic interface with Jennifer 78994546, who I downloaded to Biopod. She thus accompanied me home on my phaser bike as far as the outer ring cluster. 
where we synergized. Home leisurely as my wife is in cryogenic suspension and will not suspect a thing. Enjoyed a late night repast of galaxy burgers and a protein injection, but then hoid up all over my space boots. And so to bed. Um, hello. Do you have the seven habits of highly effective people? No. That's why I work in a bookshop. <laughs> Mr. Odinson, come on in. Thank you for being interviewed at such short notice. I am Thor Odinson, son of Harkon the Great, who was son of Holger the Mighty, who was son of Sigurd the Masterful, who was son of Margot the Gather. <laughs> yes. That may cause problems with the name tag. Please take a seat. By Wotan's spear, Thor Odinson need not the comfort of your womanish stool. <laughs> Maybe not. Thank you for your application. I suppose the first question I want to ask is, what attracts you to working in a nursing home? <laughs> Thor Odinson must punish the weak and the cowardly who have failed to die in the glory of battle. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about yourself. I am a true berserker, blessed by the gods, for my ale horn is never empty and my axe forever keen and sharp. Have you ever given a bed bath? No, but my beard is stained red with the blood of slaughtered women folk, and the rage of Fenris howls within my stout Viking heart. Yes. Yes. And what would you do if a resident, say, choked on a sprout? I would send his body to Valhalla in a burning longship and avenge his death on Sprout and the kinfolk of Sprout. Right. Well, thank you for coming in, Mr Odinson. But to be honest, I don't know that you're right for the position. Oh. <laughs> I understand by Freya. Thor Odinson would be grateful if you could keep a copy of his CV on file. Hello? Hello, is anybody in? I've broken down. Oh, oh, hello. There. Look, I've, I've run out of petrol a couple of miles down the road. I wonder, can I buy some off you? Actually, uh, in this commune, we prefer to travel by foot. Oh, right. But we do have petrol for the generator. Oh, great. Well, uh, uh, can I buy some of that, then? Absolutely not. We operate exclusively on a barter system round here. Your money is of no use to us. We're untainted by mammon. Oh, can I... Well, can I barter for some petrol, then? Yeah, of course. So, how much petrol would you like? Well, just enough to get me to the next town, you know, half a gallon or so. I don't really have anything to barter with. Well, we can have an exchange of skills. Uh... You can fix my roof. Hmm. It's only a bit of loose thatch. I don't really thatch much. I don't think I can do it. Do you plough? Not really. Can you dig a well? No. Build a pen? No. Birth a lamb? No. Polish a cow? No. Mulch? Not yet. Darn a sock? Not really. Well, can you tie shoelaces? Ah, uh, yes. Ah, well, my son can't. So let's say you tie Rainbow's shoelaces for a month and then you can have your petrol. Yeah, the thing is, I need to be in Tunbridge by seven. Oh, all right, then. You drive a hard barter. You can tie mine. Really? Yep. Get down on your knees and tie my shoelaces, say, 40 times. Oh, that's great, thanks. Uh, Chris, 
You know, I really don't know how you people can stand living in the shadow of capitalism, enslaved by an unbending system, stuck doing a meaningless, repetitive job that you don't even understand. Shut up! Ow! And don't rush it, and make them double knots. The next train to arrive at this platform is the 1750 service to Benumni. I've seen the Christmas lights of a dozen different cities as I travel down the country on a dirty diesel train from Stockport's many colours to the bulbs of Portsmouth Harbour homeward bound on track through tunnel in the festive British rain And those lights sparkle and they twinkle Like the children's happy eyes Filled with images of Santa Snowmen presents and mince pies I would be filled with festive joy As we trundle through the stations But the yuletide magic's marred By certain travel irritations I have heard the grating ringtones of a dozen different mobiles Every polyphonic bleeping, so unwelcome yet so loud Every text alert so startling, so obtrusive and so pointless Every bellowed conversation that is shouted out so proud I'm on the train! You're breaking up! I can't hear! Hello! Oh. Hello! We're in a tunnel! I'm an arse! Hello! I'll just let everybody know! So they blather and they bother with their self-important yells As we trundle through the darkness in this rattling railway hell I have heard the thumping hiss of a dozen different headphones As they squirt their random rhythms Can you try and guess the song? It could be Beethoven or Beatles or the sound of two cats mating the question will be answered when they decide to sing along. Love in an elevator. It's five pounds for a sandwich made of leather, yeast, and glue. The toilet's out of order. I've been standing up since crew. I have heard the baffled crackle of a dozen lame excuses being mumbled through the speakers by some distant driver's drone as we move slower, ever slower through the signals and the darkness if we knew what they were saying would it help us to get home? Will customers in the rear four carriages please get out and push? The late running of this train is due to mill on the floss. This train will not be stopping at Loughborough as it is ugly. Is there a doctor in the buffet? This train is fast. This train is slow. This train is broke. The carriages are crammed with screaming children run amok. <laughs> Leave it, Taylor! As we wait by empty sidings in our intercity crock. This train is full of misery, where has the festive spirit gone? If I wasn't checking tickets, I would never have got on. <laughs>
The Consultants was written and performed by Neil Edmund, Justin Edwards and James Rawlings with the voice of Geoffrey Wheeler. Additional material was written by James Eldred and music and noises came from George Cockrell, Justin Edwards and Jerry Peel. The producer was Will Saunders.